0: Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 146. It's now been three years, seven months, and 22 days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I'm so happy that I'm sitting here once again at the next top Zen spot on a fairly beautiful day, a little bit windy, so you might hear some of that, but overall, really calm and peaceful. And I'm glad because it's also been one year exactly since my mom died, I was there with her. And I have some thoughts I'll share about that and what the last year has been like for me during our Letting Go segment. Then we'll have some comment conversations that followed last show about life being affirming or draining from BC Mary S, BC Joe from the UK, BC North, BC Cat, and BC Josephine. We'll also hear what B.C. Cynthia from the Netherlands thought of the show from her response on Instagram. I'll read some snippets from Donnie and Brave Petra, who left update comments on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com about their current lives. We'll wrap up with another visit with Mark the Meditator, who gives us his thoughts on mindfulness, inspired by comments from Amy from Wisconsin and B.C. Cat, and also gives his meditative take on successful relationships for BC Laura, who is just days away from her wedding. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll remember this first year without mom, and share with you what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting Oh, Josh, it really was truly comforting to hear this snippet about letting go today. Because letting go, I think, is one of the most challenging things that we face, BCs, in our entire life. You know, everything about compulsion, about our minds, is about control. Wanting to order our lives so that things don't change and so that we can keep ourselves safe. When you really think about it, it's why we don't like to feel negative emotions And it's like, we want things to remain the same in a lot of ways. Even if that positive change might seem to be a good thing, for a lot of us, change is just really scary. And we have this real illusion. I don't know why we have it, but we have this illusion that life is just going to kind of stay the same. Like think about yesterday, right? Whatever you did yesterday, when you looked in the mirror yesterday and you look in the mirror today, you look pretty much the same. But me, I have all these selfies from day one of Compulsive Overeating Diary, and oh my goodness, I think I look maybe 15 years older in the last six years since the very first iconic selfie of me looking up at the mountain. I really look a lot older, and I think I look very much older in this last year. And I attribute that to a couple of things. One I really am older, and I think I've noticed in life that sometimes in a certain period, our bodies do just kind of make this massive shift, whether it's to lose weight, gain weight, or, you know, look older. Because I kind of go the same for years and years and years and years, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, look at that. Might be I'm just noticing the incremental change, but I've had that in the past. Boy, am I rambling. I guess some things never change. (laughs) But I also think I may feel that I look older because my mom is gone. Now, I look very much like my mom used to look at my age. And following my mom, if I look at the pictures of her at each of my ages, I really looked a lot like her. And my mom used to be kind of the buffer, where she was the older version of me and I was the younger. And now my mom isn't here any longer in her body. (laughs) She's just not here. So I'm the only body that looks like this. And this body is looking older to me. I don't have that buffer. And nobody likes to look at your saggy neck or to see the things that used to be firm and up top, kind of slinking down to below. (laughs) But it's kind of part of life. And the choices we can make there are to try to go to the Beverly Hills, Surgeon and get everything tightened up, you know, because even if I lost a lot of weight at this time and, and Buffed up my muscles to try to fill in the skin I would still need to have body tucks here and there if I wanted to you know tighten up at this age and That's different when I lost weight when I was 40 I lost the 130 pounds with Weight Watchers from the time I was 40 until I was 42 and then pretty much kept that off until 45 well my skin was in pretty good shape and I worked out a lot and filled up that skin with muscles. So people were amazed and asked me, where did you get all this work done, Lori? (laughs) You don't look like you've lost over 100 pounds. Well, one, I lost it really, really slowly. I drank a ton of water to give my skin more elasticity. And, you know, I've always tried to stay out of the sun as much as possible and put on hats and slather myself with sunscreen. And I grew up in Washington, which was rainy most of the year. So I don't think I had as much skin damage either. But that time when I lost weight, I really came out with a nice result. I mean, I was thin. My skin looked good. I could wear sleeveless things and feel great about it, you know. I was kind of like my own living Barbie doll and I had so much fun buying clothes in single digit sizes and parading my new body around. And I told you before, I really felt like I have it all because now I'm finally thin and now life is going to just give me all the rewards that I ever wished to have. And I got some rewards. I got to be able to shop in any store and buy clothes on sale more (laughs) often. And I got to fit in any chair that I might Put my behind in and I didn't have to worry anymore that people were thinking that I was fat though it did get old after a while to have people that knew me as both really fat and very thin to continually talk to me about oh my god you were so fat and now you're so thin you know, like that was a really good thing that being thin now I was finally arrived I was like a, a person when before I was so fat, I maybe wasn't, was the implication that my mind made into that. You know, I'm sure their intent was congratulations. We know what a lot of hard work that was for you. And it's amazing. Not many people lose over 100 pounds and keep it off for a while. Not many people go from size 28W down to eight. But I did. And it was amazing. My body changed every step of the way when I was losing weight. You know, every day I could have taken a picture and each day I would have looked a little different but it would have been so microscopic that it wouldn't show up. I would have to compare pictures a week apart or a month apart or several months apart to see actual change in my body. There was also internal changes how things were going with my blood pressure and my blood sugar as I continue to eat really well and to exercise. Now, psychologically, I'm not going to bang that drum again, because you know that actually being on that diet did some pretty severe <laughs> damage to my psychological well-being in how I started to really filter my entire life and my emotions through the scale and my body size and. Am I thin enough yet, and what did I eat, and how did I do, and did I burn enough calories? At that time, I did not have the psychological tools or even the idea of psychological tools that what was under my overeating compulsion behavior was maybe as important or more important than how many portions of vegetables or meat or, or starch that I was eating. That calories really have no importance except for measure of energy of of what I'm building my body with, right? I didn't get that connection (laughs) that my psychology was made up of different behaviors and different things and that my wish to overeat or to deny myself food came from a deeper place than just wanting to fit into the societal norm. Well, through this show and going to the therapy and pondering a lot on this hilltop (laughs) and seeing my mom all my life also want to lose weight and see her gain weight and feel badly and then feel good and excited about her next diet and that she lost weight because she too lost a lot of weight. I think she lost about 50 pounds with Weight Watchers and kept it off for quite some time. I mean, a very long time, like 10 years or more. I think she kept it off until her arthritis started to get really bad and it was hard for her to do the amount of exercise that she needed to do to help keep that off. She and I were like that way, that in order to keep our thin selves, we had to exercise a whole lot and eat very strictly. And my mom was very social, like me, so it was very hard to maintain her active social life and her love of cooking and baking (laughs) and to eat as strictly as she needed to and to exercise as much as she'd like to. But all of her life, she wanted to be thin all of her life because like me she also had been heavier as a, a child and a young adult and so forth. So one of the blessings I got last year I told you in my big fat update show 130 was I was so fortunate that I just got this idea which now I think is divine intervention <laughs> that I should go see my mom while she was in the hospital. And so I got to spend a day with my mom before she died. Neither one of us knew that she was about to die, (laughs) so we had a regular visit, and we laughed, and we talked about things, and we said things, but mom had had an NG tube. It's this tube that has to go down your nose and feed you in order to give your digestion a rest. It was some of the problems that she had had from her surgery, but she was recovered from that, and that tube had been out for a while, and she had graduated to like having Ensure and gelatin, and I think some real food like a little bit of bread or something but she was so thrilled because she was eating food and she didn't eat very much because she didn't have a very large appetite having been on food rest for a while and so the nurses kept coming in and said Margie eat something come on you need to finish this you need some calories you need to eat and mom looked at me and said Lori nobody in my entire life has ever said to me Margie, we want you to eat more. Think about that. Never in her life had she felt encouraged to eat. And she was so happy. And I laughed because I knew where she was coming from. Here she was. She'd been in the hospital for a while. And she'd had different complications. But now she was doing good. Now things were looking up. She was pain-free from the arthritis that had plagued her, the reason for her operation. Some of the complications she had had were abated. The doctors were all hopeful she was feeling good. She was going to eat some chicken, I think. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) She was so looking forward to it. She and I talked about maybe going to Ireland because that's where her family was from. And so we thought that would be really cool. We had plans to do stuff. But it struck me so much when I got that call in the middle of that night saying, you know, your mom has this embolism and she's going into a coma and you might want to get here. So I spent that night and the next day kind of cuddled up in my mom's arms, whether she knew it or not. I think my mom's consciousness was there. When I first got there and our family came. But I stayed there until the end with my mom. And I felt the warmth of her body. And the breathing that came from machines. And her body was her body. The brave companions, when mom left that body, I knew it. I don't know how I knew it, but I knew it when my mom was there and then she wasn't. That body that she'd fought so hard to give thin, <laughs> and that body that she had battled with arthritis and the pain that she'd had and the different things, the joys and the fun, all of those things, the babies she had, everything to do with that body, no more was to do with her. <laughs> Except in our memory. Boy, I was hoping I wouldn't be so emotional, but there it is. That's how it is. That memory has really struck me. And I thought, how much time have we both spent in our lives, Mom, worrying about our body when who we are is not that? We live in our bodies, we use our bodies, we can do wonderful things with our bodies, but it isn't who we are. And then I think I let you know that my mom decided to be cremated and the majority of her ashes, we then placed with my dad in a military (laughs) grave. But my brother gave me some of the ashes at my request because I've been sprinkling them here and there in places that are meaningful to me in California, wanting to have my mom near me. What's left of you when you're cremated is really just a fine powder, a fine powder that can blow in the wind or feed some plants or float in the sea go on the tide, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. So that impacted a lot the way I think about my body. And it impacted a lot how I think about change and how I feel when I look at my older face in the mirror now, the face that looks a lot like my mom. And well, part of me wishes that I was that buff 40-year-old or 42-year-old, and I wish that my chin didn't wiggle, and I wish my arms didn't flap when I wave at you, and I surely wish I could sit in any chair. The things I'm most proud of are the connections that I've been making, both here in what I call my real life with my voice acting friends, the better relationship Mark and I have built as we started to discuss the psychological things that are under our behaviors and the friendships that I've made here, even virtually with you, as you sit here virtually on this mountain with me, the real connection when you call or you comment or you send me a message (laughs) and say, we're here and this meant something to me all of those little connections, and even those of you who have never ever contacted me, I can feel that you're there. And that connection means more to me than the fact that I once got down to size eight. I still wish that I could magically somehow just have this body that's a little smaller and easier to move around. And as I get older, I too find some aches and pains and different things happening. In fact, this week, even though, as I told you, I've always tried to stay out of the sun. And I grew up in Washington. I want to protect myself. I am very, very prone to skin cancers. And I have one right now on my face that's very persistent. Nothing to worry about, you guys. But it's very persistent. So this week, I have to go to a specialist and have it taken out. And so I'll be away from hiking and being outside and biking for some weeks. So if I do another show, it might be from my studio (laughs) in those weeks. But my body is my body and it has its ups, it has its downs, it has its challenges, it has its joy. But I like to think that my friendly heart and my love is a lot like my mom too. And in fact, my mom who is so fond of rainbows, I see them everywhere. And every morning now I get up and I write haiku. And so I wrote this one. Rainbow called you home one year ago today, mom. I miss your colors. But like I said, I guess the colors that I miss, I can still visit again when I see rainbows in the sky or when I have memories of her smile. One of the big questions from last show was to ponder if each action we take is life-affirming or life-draining. B.C. Mariaz was so excited she stopped in mid-episode to comment. She says, first, yay to a new episode. Second, wow, I love this question. Is it life-affirming? Seriously, I'm going to question this ASAP. It can be applied to everything. Thanks for this new nugget. I'm partially through the episode, but I had to swing by to tell you that. And new BC's, hi. And Mary went on to include a warm welcome for new BC North. Mary says, I'm in Northern Illinois too. Welcome to the fold. You are loved here, XOXO. To which BC North replied, thanks for the warm welcome. It's really comforting being in, quote, the fold, unquote. XOXO to you too, Mary S. BC Joe from the UK writes, yay for a new episode. Mark, yoga is amazing and surprisingly challenging, even the basics, but definitely worth the time invested. Welcome, new BCs, and well done on being so brave in reaching out to the BC community, one of the most amazing group of people I have ever encountered. The pictures of the fire are scary and so pleased that the Zen spot is recovering well. Nature is remarkable that way. Take care, and so happy to have your voice as accompaniment again, XOXO. And I replied to Joe, sharing Mark's thoughts as well. Hi, Joe. Mark loves that you can relate to his new challenge, and he promises to keep us posted on his progress. Yes, the fire was pretty intimidating. It burned up most of the wild areas of the canyon that I drive through to get from our house down to Burbank, where many of our activities are. We also used to hike and mountain bike in the Verdugo Mountains. Where I hike for the show is a different range of mountains, but still near the fire zone. I was very glad to see that area was not devastated. Thanks too for the foolish fun. I really enjoyed it and the memories it triggered. Hope all is well with you and you are enjoying our walks XOXO. Amy from Wisconsin stopped in to share these thoughts. Hello, Lori. I love the idea of life affirming or not. I think that can apply to just so many areas of life. In fact, for me, I think I will be applying it mostly to the thoughts that I have and ruminate on and to the time I spend on Facebook and the things I choose to click and read there. See, Facebook has become my survivor binge watching. I can spend hours reading, liking, commenting, clicking, etc. but I realize that very little on Facebook is actually life affirming. In some ways, I want to give it up completely, but there are those nuggets that are life affirming that makes me want to stay. So I'm working on paying attention to what I'm looking at and using up my time on while I am there. I will be doing a lot more scrolling and a lot less clicking. I am relieved to hear that most of the spaces you spend your time in were unscathed by the fires, but I do agree that watching nature come back to life after a wildfire is pretty darn awesome. Take care, because I really, really, really care too. Amy from Wisconsin. Which made me laugh because I had to come clean and reply. Love it, Amy. I can find myself doing similar so I can relate. I love to see your quilts on Facebook, but I don't like to see all of the bad news and negativity that get mixed in with the cute kitten videos on my feed. I'm also laughing at myself because right now I'm typing on my iPad while drinking coffee on a balcony with a nice view of the ocean. Am I enjoying the rare view? No, I am here after checking my skimpy social media, (laughs) laughing out loud. But I do love having discussions with you. So I guess I'll cut myself a little slack. Enjoy the thought you've given me to ponder. Close down the iPad for now. And enjoy my chance to watch the ocean and hear the seagulls that so remind me of home. XOXO. I was also happy to hear from new BC Cynthia from the Netherlands after day 145 went live. When she sent me this Instagram message. Hi, great podcast. A warm welcome. Lovely. Another B.C. who rolled out our welcome mat is B.C. Josephine who writes, Hello there, B.C. North. I'm so sorry that I'm just now able to respond. I love the way you word your thoughts. It gives me a lot to think on. Thanks so much. I look forward to being your fellow B.C. And I'm so grateful to Lori for without her, none of this would be happening. How wonderful is that? Happy first day of autumn. XOXO. And Josephine also comments on Brave B.C. Cat's phone call. I just had to say to BC Cat from New Jersey, Cat, when you were talking about starting over for the millionth time and on a Monday, (laughs) I just wanted to let you know you are not alone. As you were saying that, I thought to myself, I'm exactly the same. But since we are BCs, we are brave enough to try just one more time, yes? Well, I think so, especially since we have this wonderful community of BCs to be part of. Thanks again, Lori, for making it happen. XO, XO, XO. To which BC Cat from South Jersey replied, Yes, Josephine, one more time. I've stopped counting, and I'm sure you have too. Doesn't matter. What's important is that I will never stop trying to live the healthiest life I can. What a thrill it was to get a shout out from you, Lori. My debut. Feel like I should take a bow, laughing out loud. Great episode as usual. I am going to try to ask myself, Is this life affirming or life draining before making any decisions today, whether it's a food decision or just a basic life decision? Mark, I love that you're trying yoga. My boyfriend has back and neck pain, and I keep telling him, more like nagging him because I'm tired of hearing the whining, that he should try yoga. Until you've done it, you have no idea how hard it is because it really does look easy. Not. Thank you both for the laughter, which is always so good for the soul. I might listen to the whole episode again on my ride home tonight. With love and gratitude, Kat. BC Josephine also had some nice comments for me. Dear Lori, I'm so thankful that your home was not any closer to the fire than it was. How scary for sure. Also, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts about life affirming and life draining instead of good and bad, right and wrong. I have been trying pretty successfully to make the switch in how I talk to myself and it really does make a difference. Don't you just love those little nuggets of wisdom that make your life so much better? That's pretty much how I feel about you, Lori. I know I've told you before, but I say it with all sincerity. You are such a blessing to me. I hope you don't think it's too presumptuous, but I consider you a dear friend. You share your heart with us BCs, and to me, that is what friends do. I loved all the segments of this episode and could write a book if I talked about each one. So I'll limit myself right now to my favorite, which is the one where you interview Mark. You two obviously have a special relationship, and I think it's so dear and sweet to share a bit of it with us BCs. Happy first day of autumn, XOXOXO. To which I said, Hello, dear BC Josephine. Thanks for sharing your heart with us. We just got home from a fun few days bike riding and sunset watching by the Pacific Ocean in Ventura, and so I finally have a moment to reply. I don't think it is presumptuous at all that I seem to be a friend to you and to all the BCs. My main focus, just a few episodes in, when I realized that people really were listening and responding to my ponderings, was to talk to you as if we were on walks together discussing life and weight and challenges we might have. I used to have a very good friend who regularly walked with me around the famous Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and we so enjoyed the combo of walking and letting our hair down. When she moved back East, I missed that feeling so very much. It's been my privilege to replicate that just a bit with you. Also when I have had the chance to actually meet up with BCs in person, we are all surprised at how very much at home we feel. I am very much in life as I am on the show, except I do have a little more tendency to let out the bad language now and again. Mark too is very much as he seems, though I think on the show we veer a little more toward our best behavior, laughing out loud. I'm glad you liked this episode. It was a joy to me. be back on the mountain with so many voices and ideas to share with all of you. It is an example of my favorite kind of episode too, XOXOXO. There were a lot more comments on day 145 that you can read by visiting today's show notes, where I'll put a link to that show. Also, I'll have direct links to the comments that Donnie and Petra posted updating us on the latest events in their lives. Donnie, who's been going through the process of buying a house following non-negotiable relocation due to road construction by my wonderful old home state of Washington catches us up. Things have been extremely scrazy for the last two months. I'm finally skidding into home plate. In the final stretch of being settled into our new home, work is coming back down. The overtime hours are slowly weaning. What an adventure. I'm proud to say despite my crazy life, extra stress, lack of intentional exercise, lack of food planning and prep, my weight stayed the same through it all. I'm still 10 pounds over my scream weight, but at least it's still only 10 pounds. Bittersweet, I've got this. And BC Petra, who is featured for her bravery on day 139, where she shared her own eating issues publicly on Instagram, has a new chapter in her life, and here's just a part of her story. In her complete post, Petra shares quite a bit about her challenges and her past, then comes to a turning point where she says, I had to learn to love and accept myself completely separated from what the scales say. I learned to exercise purely for the reason that it makes me feel amazing and strong and not for a calorie burn, to earn activity points, to either see a lower number on the scale or so I can indulge in sugary and fatty foods. I had to learn not to care about what other people think about me, that I was okay just the way I was and that I was wasting my time and energy to wonder what people might or might not think. If it's important, they will let me know. I'm learning that I'm capable of so much more than I ever thought. I'm learning to do things although, or even because they're scary. I'm learning that it's okay not to be okay. And those are all the things that need practicing. But slowly and surely, I'm finding peace. And now, I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to work on my nutrition. Again, not to hit a certain number on the scale that will magically make my life perfect, but because when I eat the right foods that my body needs to run smoothly, that don't clot up my head or drain me rather than energize me, I feel amazing. As I said, this part of the journey is pretty much in the beginning still and is not perfect by any means, but I am so much further than I've ever been in my 46 years and I'm feeling great. When Oprah said that she can't accept herself being 200 pounds, I can understand it in a way that's not acceptable to just give your power away but that you are capable of changing behaviors. Although it's freaking hard work and there's no handbook to follow. And even if there was, I would have found a million reasons why this book doesn't apply to me. Day by day, I'm believing a bit more in myself. And even if I have a binge and they still happen, even if not as intense, I now know that it doesn't mean failure and establish more and more good habits mentally and physically. Hubby and I are even making the jump to become beach body coaches, which will be possible from the end of next month on. We love their workouts and have been doing them for over three years. Well, dear Petra, we believe in you too, and I'm so glad you are finding your path and feeling affirmed and wonderful in your choices. To learn more of Petra's and Donnie's stories, come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com day146, where I'll have direct links to their posts, and to follow Petra on Instagram to share her fitness progress or to contact her for more information about her beach body coaching. She's at Petra doing Petra there. And I'll put that link on today's show notes too. Mark and I have been going to Ventura every few weeks because we love the ocean and the great bike path there that we use for our training rides. Last week, I was inspired to ask you all during one of our rides about mindfulness and thought it would be fun to bring Mark the Meditator back for his thoughts on what you said. And now let's take a moment's pause with Mark the Meditator. We had the best time. We got back from Ventura again, where we went to go ride bikes and have some fun.
1: Yeah, we did. And uh, the weather was great, and we were able to uh, really enjoy our time we spent up there.
0: We did. In fact, both times that we were there in the evening, we went to the ocean and took a look at the sunset.
1: Yeah, we had uh, beautiful sunsets both days. Also, in the evening, um, I happened to glance up at the stars, which I do sometimes, and, and I noticed that they look different from what they do at my house. And I'm saying, well, that can't possibly be because they're so close, you know, geographically anyway. And so I said, oh, I'm looking to the north, and in my house, I'm looking towards the south. So that's why the sky was looking different.
0: Oh, so you got a fresh, heavenly perspective on things.
1: Yes. And I could recognize the stars eventually when, once I realized that they were backwards from what I'm used to viewing them.
0: Well, being just steps away from different types of nature than we have at home is always inspiring. And in fact, I got up the second morning again and went for a bike ride along the ocean. And that got me to pondering about mindfulness, about how being in the moment is helpful both with my eating issues and with my voice acting, that when I'm mindful, I have a little better time in life. So I asked you, Mark, if you'd be willing to give us some of your mindfulness tips as Mark the Meditator. Oh, okay. So I asked the Brave Companions if they had some thoughts on mindfulness, and first up is Amy from Wisconsin, who writes via Facebook. She says... When I'm teaching and the kids are focused and I know learning is occurring, it's great to just be. On the other hand, when the kids are totally off task and chaos is ensuing, sometimes I just stop, breathe, absorb the crazy, and then try to move on. Have you had challenges like that yourself? Oh,
1: yes. And I think those are the greatest challenges because if you actually can isolate yourself and... And think about the situation. You feel so much pride when you get through it without uh, losing it.
0: Have you ever had chaos in your life?
1: Oh, I think everybody has at times.
0: So let's say things are just are full of chaos now. We come home from Ventura. The cats have gone crazy. Our house is a complete mess. And everything is out of control. What would be your first instinct now, Mark the Meditator?
1: To... Sit down and evaluate the situation and see if I can't come up with some solutions.
0: And would that be easy for you?
1: No, no. I, you know, the adrenaline, the fight or flight always comes out when things go crazy, and and uh, being able to curtail that is 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 um. Hard so that when you actually do it, it's, it's, it's good, and it, it makes you feel good inside that you are able to do that.
0: So what about your meditation practice has helped you to be able to take that step back?
1: Oh, I, you know, we get uh, affirmations every day, and, uh, you know, one of them is to cultivate patience, and which also cultivates confidence. And people that are confident uh, are much happier than people that are not.
0: Okay. Our next point about being in the moment comes from B.C. Cat, who writes via the Compulsive Overeating Diary page on Facebook. Hi, Lori and all B.C.'s. I really struggle with being in the moment consistently, but I've been doing better. I noticed leaves falling to the ground yesterday as I was driving, a sign of fall. I felt the cool air when I exited my building this morning, and I thank God for the sun. Thanking God for all the little things helps me stay grateful and live in the moment. So what do you do, honey, to be grateful and live in the moment? Oh, I think
1: I do. I try to notice, you know, pleasant smells, try to look around for, for pretty things. And, yeah, basically, or situations, you know, watch people that are having a good time. I, basically, it's all about appreciating. Right? I go out inside and appreciate our backyard and Mother Nature. I mean, you're a great part of life is to actually be grateful and appreciate what we have. Yes, okay. A great part of life is to be grateful and appreciate what what we have, like my lovely wife, Lori.
0: <laughs> Thanks for that. I didn't have to to prompt you at all to say that.
1: <laughs> well, I, well, let's not exaggerate, but uh, yes, yeah, not too much anyway.
0: No. And one reason why I did kind of nudge <laughs> him to say that is because On a little side note, we heard from BC Laura, who is just now days away from her wedding. And she took time to post to Mark and I on Instagram when we had one of our sunset photos where we were looking goo-goo eyes at each other. And she says, you two are the cutest. I can't help but smile when I see your pictures. Well, Mark and I have been married a long, long time. And I've heard from lots of BCs that they think that Mark and I have this special relationship and we are so cute. But I have to be honest... We also have some real nasty barn burner to fights from now and again because we're just really normal married people. We're not special. We're just normal married people. So I wanted to come clean with that and ask you, Mark, how do you think that meditation has helped us, one, stay so cute together, and two, keep us from destroying each other with our evil barn burner fights?
1: Well, I think you have to realize that your buttons are going to get pushed in any relationship, be it a marriage or be it a friendship. And, and, and there will be times that are, are difficult. And I think what you have to do is, is control your anger. And I think meditation helps with controlling anger. And you, you can just, like, sit back and, and think, is that an appropriate level of anger for the button that was pushed? And if it is, then you... Sh- you concentrate on on getting over that, letting it go, okay? If it isn't an appropriate amount of anger, you know, for what button was pushed, then you try to realize that, okay, that button that pushed has nothing to do with, with the person that said it. It has to do with me. And what what you do is you appreciate yourself. You say, yes, you know, I love myself. I, you know, I, I'm not perfect, but that that is that is something I have to work on. That button, when it gets pushed, isn't is nobody's fault except my own.
0: Oh, that's so sweet, and it works. It really, really works. So when you get upset, if you put your hand on your heart and just say to yourself, "I love you, I love you, I love you," and it really, really works.
1: Yeah, it does, because. That's how, if you love yourself, you can forgive yourself and you can be more forgiving of other people.
0: Well, do you have any other tips for being in the moment?
1: I think you just have to realize that, that life is sometimes hard, but it's also short. And just continue to practice enjoying life because it's well worth it.
0: Well, I enjoy these minutes that you took here with us. I need to be mindful and I'm very grateful.
1: And it's my pleasure to share a little of my experience.
0: Okay. So, BCs, what are your thoughts about being mindful? Have you had some experiences? Do you have some thoughts about what Mark has to share? If you do, come post your thoughts on day 146 or call the Bravery Hotline or call SpeakPipe. Let us know. What do you think?
1: Yes. Let us know and take care of yourselves.
0: Who knew that Mark would go on the bravery report today for being so authentic and deep in his thinking and in his willingness to share? Meditation is making a difference. Also, happy, happy, happy wedding and best wishes in your new married life, BC Laura. Please do send us a wedding photo so I can feature it on our blog. Big smooches for you both. Mm -mm. So as Mark said, BCs, life can be hard, but it is also short. So enjoy today and love the people in your life. Until next time, B.C.'s, take care. Because as you know, I really, 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 really over the rainbow care.
1: I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside
0: thicket on the edge of Puget Sound And there I'll sit, and I'll admit that I
1: was only just a guest inside my skin.